and uh, they can, you can talk with them more then. Appreciate Jarrett Wing sharing last week over Memorial Day weekend, and uh, just kind of reminds me of the fact that this c- congregation has always been about raising up leaders and uh, sending off and missionaries and sending them to Bible college. Uh, recently, I had a chance to go to a Summit Christian College forum on trying to get our kids and others uh, excited about doing full-time ministry, doing ministry in your workplace and being prepared and educated. And so that's part of our mission as a church is to uh, help those we're seeking, reconciling, restoring, and equipping people, and part of that is sending them to places like Summit Christian College, and so uh, creating more disciples, and so I'm just excited to be a part of a congregation that is outwardly focused and not just inwardly focused, and so uh, again, thank you to Jarrett Wing and his willingness to jump in and, and to preach last Sunday. We are continuing in Mark, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, and uh, you, you're hearing from three Gwens today, and we're all known for for talking, so I'm going to keep this moving this morning, all right? So we are beginning uh, here in chapter 12, and as I was looking at these verses, thinking about kind of what's taking place, I thought about, you go through a day and you kind of have a checklist of different things you're wanting to accomplish. Maybe you create a list of what things are most important, so you create a, a priority list of, of what things you want to accomplish first, and down through it, maybe at work you have that, uh, you, you have certain things that need to get done first at your work, and then you can move down the list, and, and I was just thinking about, you know, what things we as humans prioritize, and, and what things are most important, and I think the difficult part is maybe at times where something that I think is really important, maybe you don't think it's as important. And so the title of today's message this morning from Mark 12, 28 through 34 is What is Most Important? And if you've had a long week like I've had, and you might be a little tired this morning, I encourage you to spend time opening your word, uh, opening the word, uh, spending time taking some notes. If you don't have a pen and paper, uh, you can use your digital device, but that might help us keep moving on in the passage this morning. Will you join me in prayer as we get going? Father, You are holy, you are righteous, and we come together to honor you. We come together as your children, and I thank you for the the work that you are doing through people around the world, and so we were reminded of that this morning. Uh, God, we're grateful for the work that you're doing through this congregation. Help us to be mindful of being aware of those around us that need to hear about you, and that we would be ready and willing to be tools in your hands to advance your kingdom. And so this morning, I pray as we look at this idea of what's most important from Mark 12, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and your Holy Spirit would work mightily. It's the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So sometimes I, I find myself thinking about the lost in the city of Casper. And again, those are the people that are far away from God here in Casper, Wyoming. And I, I wonder, what do they need from us as a church? And as I thought about that, I don't think that they need the best preaching in all of Casper because they're probably not going to get that here, okay? So I don't think they need the best preaching. I don't think they need the best music or the best programs or even the best building, even though we're excited about that tool that God can use. But I don't think that's the what the people, the lost of Casper, really need the most. What I think that they really need the most from us as a church is to come alongside them and love them. 
love them. And according to today's verses, I think Jesus would agree. And so the question for us this morning is, are we going to be a church that prioritizes the things that Jesus said were the most important, no matter what? So let's read from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, to find out what is most important to Jesus. And if you're able and willing this morning, will you stand with me, stretch our legs a little bit, and read from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, in honor of God this morning. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than than these well said teacher the man replied you are right in saying that god is one and there is no other but him to love him with all your heart with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices when jesus saw that he had answered wisely he said to him you are not far from the kingdom of god And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. You may be seated. So you have this guy that's an expert in the things of the Old Testament. He's an expert in the things of the law. And he asks this question, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And I think we have to remember this morning, we have to realize that uh, the Jewish religious leaders of the time had over six hundred commandments over 600 commandments that they tried to to make everyone live by and as i did some research some people would pin the number down to about 613 commandments that that they were trying to make people live by and when you think of the old testament and the commandments from the old testament for us a lot of the ones that we think are the, like the top ten, right? Let's just stick with the top ten, okay? And yet these guys had added over 600 other commandments that they're trying to get everyone, again, to live by. And so this teacher of the law saw that Jesus was a legit teacher, and he wanted to know what of these 600-plus commandments is the most important. And yet, the question that I have as I'm looking at these verses, did this guy really want to know, or was he trying to find out, like, what commandments had to really be followed, and which ones could just be overlooked? And I wonder how often do we do the same thing in our lives? Do we find ourselves separating what the Bible teaches into which things that we think are essential and which that we think maybe are a little bit negotiable. And God is speaking, I think, to all of us in those moments. Those moments where we say, hey, if, if God, I, I'm willing to follow you and, and do this or that, but 
it, this has to happen first. Or, or maybe I, I can't be in a situation where it's too difficult. And, and as I look at these verses, look how Jesus responds. He, he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. And we're going to look at that verse, those verses here in a little bit. And he says that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what does it say that we're supposed to do to our neighbors as well? It says we are to what? Love our neighbors as ourselves. And did you notice that Jesus answered the greatest commandment debate with love and not the word obey? Now, if you're like me, I'm thinking that the most important Old Testament commandment would start with something like obey or fear or serve or something like that, but not Jesus. He starts with the concept of love. Well, what, what do you mean, love, Jesus? Shouldn't it be one of the thou shalt nots? You know, that should be one of the greatest commands, thou shalt nots. Well, Jesus says, nope. I want you to start with the thou shalls. Jesus sums it all up and says, if you are willing to do what I'm about to tell you, all the other commandments will take care of themselves. Do you, do you notice that? If you narrowed it down, even just looking at the Ten Commandments, the, the top ten that we oftentimes look at, they're, they're broken down into what a lot of people break them down into four vertical commandments, which is between us and God, and six horizontal commandments, which are between us and other people. And Jesus is one that takes all the different commandments and summarizes them all by saying that we need to love God and love others. And maybe you've been to a church that that is their mission statement. They, they, their mission is to love God and love others. It, just simplify it down. And it's amazing to me how Jesus simplifies it down and yet covers it all, doesn't he? He covers all the commandments. You think about the vertical commandments between us and God. If I am truly loving God, then I would never want to have any other gods or idols before him. If I'm truly loving God, then I would never want to misuse his name or disrespect the Sabbath day. When, when it comes to the horizontal commandments between us and, and another human being of of honor your father and mother and don't murder and don't commit adultery and don't steal, don't slander someone, don't want someone else's stuff. If I'm truly loving other people, those will all be taken care of. I'm not going to want to murder or steal or slander or covet or commit adultery when it comes to my fellow man. If I'm truly loving them. And so once again, Jesus has done an amazing job summarizing all the commandments down into if you love God and if you love people, then all the other commandments will be taken care of. Now this guy is pretty impressed, right? 
I mean, look at verses 32 and 33 of chapter 12 when he says, well, well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other God but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. See, he recognized that if your motives and your actions come from a heart of love, then all the other stuff is going to take care of itself. If you think about what's taking place at this time and and in the the Old Covenant, at that time everything was based off of the Levitical law and all the sacrifices and burnt offerings. See, that's how the people at that time thought that they showed love to God, was through all those sacrifices. But Jesus basically says, that's not how you show love. 1 Corinthians 13 is a very familiar uh, chapter in the Bible for a lot of us. It talks about all the different things that, you know, if if you do this and you do that and and you accomplish this and, and you're a part of that, but you don't have love, then essentially we have nothing. And I wonder how many religious, quote unquote, religious deeds are being done in the name of Jesus without the love of Jesus. And so what does it really mean to love God and love people? Let's look a little closer at this this morning. And the first is love God. And so again, turn with me to Deuteronomy. It's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. I want to read this passage here says here O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates And again, a a section of scripture that we're probably somewhat familiar with. And you notice in verse 4 of chapter 6, the first word there is hear, H-E-A-R. Listen up. Before they were going to go into the promised land, basically what's taking place is like, all right, let's, let's cover our bases. Let's go over things again. And if you're familiar with the Jewish culture, this is called the Shema if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the Shema. And again, this is something that they're very familiar with. The Lord is one, meaning that you don't get to have more than one God, meaning that our God, the God that we serve, is the one and only God, amen? He is the one and only. And there's other translations that say it this way. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The Lord alone. He's it. And yet a a preacher friend shared with me just recently that he has an oldest child. His oldest child is seven who goes to school and the oldest child has a friend at seven years old that told the child, hey, there are lots of gods. 
which, by the way, is not true, okay? That is not true. But that is the world that we live in right now. At seven years old, they're talking to each other and saying, there's lots of gods, and that's not the truth. There is only one God, the one and only. Verses 5 through 9 again says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is happening here is that the Israelite nation is being reminded that they have to love God, the one and only, with everything that they have. And you, you, he's speaking to us as well, you have to teach your kids about God, not just the youth minister, not just the children's minister, not just the Sunday school teacher, even though those individuals do an amazing job teaching your kids, the truth is you have to teach your kids about loving God and loving others. And so whatever kids are in your house, you are held responsible for being the one that says, hey, we love the Lord here, and that's it. It's only him. We have no other God. It is only the one true God, and that's final. And every area of our lives are supposed to be about teaching our children about the love of God, and it should transform our hearts, and it should pour out and be taught into the lives of our children in order to transform their hearts and from there, it should overflow into our community. See, you have to get to a place in your life that you truly believe that there is no other God. So you're going to love like him. So the question isn't if you love something as number one in your life. The question is what you will love as number one in your life. See, everyone loves something more than anything else in their lives. And it's represented in how you spend your time, what you spend your time thinking about, where your finances go. And I think we have to love God so much that nothing else in this life compares to the love that we have for God. In verse 5, how much of our hearts are we to love God? What does it say? How much of our hearts are we to love God? What does it say? All. All. Man, that's, it's crazy. It seems like a simple thing. All. But how many of us are trying to live a Christian life that loves God with just only part of our hearts, with some of our souls, a little bit of our minds, and whatever strength that we have left over? That's not how it's supposed to be. I heard a preacher say, if you don't want a part-time Savior, then stop giving him part-time loyalty. Amen? John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, 15. 
Meaning, we don't obey God's commandments to, to show God we love him. We love God, and because of that love, that's why we obey his commandments. As we talked through Autumn on Wednesday night with our children, we talked about this concept of love and obedience and how they work together. But it begins with this love that we have for God that causes obedience in our lives. Men and women, we are to treat our spouses in a special way because we love them. Our love for our spouses is reflected in how we treat them. And so when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, I think he's trying to get across to us that true love for the Lord has to be a part of every area of our lives, not just the areas that we choose. See, we don't get to just cherry pick different areas of our lives where we will love and obey God in we don't get to say, God, I love you on Sunday mornings and at small group during the week. But when it comes to my finances or my free time or my marriage or my parenting or my school or my job, those are areas that I need you to stay out of, God. That, that's none of your business. It doesn't work that way. That's not a love for God with everything that you have. First John Chapter 5, verse 3 says, In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Have you noticed when you love someone so much, you're willing to do whatever you can for them, and it's, it's not burdensome. It's just something that you enjoy doing because you love them so much. I think about getting a love letter. Do you wait to read what a love letter says? My, my kids have been uh, sending letters back and forth to different friends from camp and, and to, from spring things and some of those type of things. And, and it's funny because we don't see a lot of that these days. Everything's text message and email and just quick responses. But my kids have been sending letters and, and they just every day are like, can I go get the mail? Can I go get the mail? Because they're looking forward to a letter from that special someone that lives in a different town See, they don't wait to read what it says. As soon as they get it, they rip it open, right? They, they want to know what it says. And I wonder, do we do the same thing with God's word? Do we just open it up and, and tear it open because we want to hear what God has to say to us? And I thought about the different sports teams that we have or the restaurants or our favorite products that we tell all people about. Like, have you heard about this? Did you know this was taking place? See, we talk about them all the time because we're interested in them. And I wonder, when are we going to be so in love with God that we can't help but talk about Him? Are you working on loving God in all these areas of your life, your heart, what you're passionate about. Are you loving God with all of that area? Your soul, the spiritual part of your life. Are you loving God with all of that area? Your mind, your thoughts, and your decisions. What's coming from up here? Are you spending time loving God in that area of your life? Your strength, your physical bodies. What are you doing with your bodies? Are you loving God with all of that area of your life. 
Is your love for God being shown in every area of your life? And if it's not, I pray that we would seek that out, that we would work on that in our lives. And so we, we see this need to love God first and foremost. And then he says we are then to love people. Love people. And, and he quotes from Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. And if someone ever quotes to you from Leviticus, I just want to encourage you, pay attention to what they're saying because they obviously have some stuff figured out. They're pretty smart if they're quoting from Leviticus, okay? Because I don't know if I could ever do that. They know their Bible, and he reads, he quotes from Leviticus chapter 19. Again, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 19. And we're going to look at, Verse starting in verse 9 because it, it leads up to verses 18 when it says love your neighbor as yourself but read with me from Leviticus chapter 19 starting in verse 9 it says when you reap the harvest of your land do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen and this is key. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Then he says, do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. Verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against, any, against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Do not. And so as you read these verses here uh, in Leviticus, as he's quoting from Leviticus 19, 9 through 18, it all has to do with the way that he ca calls us to treat one another. We want to be treated a certain way. Well, guess what? So does everybody else. And, and why are we to love our neighbors as ourselves? As you go through these verses, it's kind of one of those dad moments, right? Where dads just say, because I said so. It, it, you read these lines and then it says, I am the Lord, right? Because he's God. We follow what he says because he is God. And there are going to be times when God says something that he wants us to do because we are part of his family. He is our Lord and we wear his name. And because we love him, we want to do what he says. We re represent Jesus to others. And so we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. John chapter 13, verse 35, as we come to the close here. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And if you aren't willing to love others, then we don't really love God. What? Wait, is, is that what that said? Yeah. Is that what Scripture teaches, that if we're not really willing to love others, 
then we don't really love God? 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And then verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. See, God is very serious when it comes to this command to love others. There's no gray area on who you get to love and and who you don't get to love. It doesn't matter if they look like you or if they act like you or if they even believe the same way you do. God calls each and every one of us to love all people with the same kind of love that God has loved us with. And so this morning, as Ray and Sue come, as we sing a song of invitation, if you've never experienced the love that God has for you, God wants you to receive that unconditional love this morning. And maybe you're just struggling with loving a fellow human being, and I just want to encourage you, if you're going to be right with God, you need to work at loving each other. And so this morning, we want to come around you. We want to love you. If you need just someone to pray with, if you need to make PV your church home, we'd love for you to be a part of what's going on here at PV. Will you stand with us as we sing a song of invitation? If you have a decision to make, will you please come forward?